Um, God, thank you uh, that your Holy Spirit is real. And like I said earlier, that your Holy Spirit doesn't need uh, technology, sound lights, heating, cooling, whatever. Uh, your Holy Spirit is, um, you are totally capable, God, to do whatever you want in our lives apart from any of the, uh, any of the machines or methods we think are necessary um, to make things happen. So uh, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see whatever your Holy Spirit is saying to us or showing us, and would you give us the grace to respond? Let me ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, who has been, in the, la- in the last couple of weeks, who's been stuck in a traffic jam that was, I would say, highly frustrating to you? I'm going to see a show of hand. Wow, a lot of people. All right, I'll go over here. Why don't you stand up? What's your name? Matt. Matt. All right, good name. Uh, where were you stuck? Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Ooh, everybody's like, yeah. How, uh, tell briefly, what, what, was it, what did it feel like? A lot, was it like stop and go, or was it just stop and stop? It went from six lanes on the interstate in downtown to two, so we stopped for a while. <laughs> so when you're stuck, you don't need to tell me what comes out of your mouth, but when you're stuck, what, what's it like for you? I get really, really frustrated. I like to only be moving, so then when I have to stop, I just, like, can't even handle it, right? Like, slam the wheel? Uh, no? Just, like, look around and be exasperated and frustrated. Okay. Anybody, anybody enjoy being stuck? No. Okay. Right? All right. Thank you, Matt. Being stuck, all right? Um, well, show of hands again. How many have been stuck in the last couple of weeks in that kind of a exasperation, all right? Being stuck is no fun in traffic, all right? Uh, it's kind of like what, what, he, what Matt just said. It's, uh, you like to be moving. Now, for me, being stuck uh, is awful, but then it's closely followed by the slow stop-and-go traffic where you feel like, uh, especially if you have a stick shift, then you feel like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody's laughing when I have a stick shift. Oh, I hate that, I hate that, all right? Um, a year ago, or two years ago, I came back, I was in, out of town, I came back at the airport, and that particular couple days it had snowed heavily, and my car in the parking lot at the airport was significantly stuck in the snow. And it, it was like 11 o'clock at night, I was freezing cold, I had just gotten back from a warm weather climate, I didn't have a coat on, and I'm rocking my car trying to get out of the snow, and it probably took me an hour to get unstuck, all right? And I actually did some damage to the steering of the car that cost me like $200 later, right? That being stuck was not a pleasant experience. Three years ago, my wife and I, kids, were stuck at JFK Airport. How many of you have been stuck at JFK before? Just, can we have some empathy going here? All right. <laughs> JFK uh, did not exist before the fall, that airport. It was a result of the fall. It was God's penalty for people, all right? Um, but if you've been stuck in an airport before, we were stuck overnight. It's a frustrating feeling because, like Matt said, we love movement. And we love movement when we think we're supposed to be moving and we feel stuck. It feels, it's like, ugh. All right? Um, some of you have been stuck with a flat tire. Um, my son last week said, Dad, I'm stuck on this math problem. Oops. You okay? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Is he stuck? Just kidding. <laughs> I think he's okay. Uh, she good? Good. 
Okay, thank you. No, my son called me, or actually I was out of town, my, mom, my wife's talking to me, and my, my son was stuck on a math problem, and some of you who are math-phobes can relate to being stuck in math. Um, let's get a little more personal, though. Some of you feel like you're stuck in your job, like I'm stuck. I, I know this is not, doesn't feel like movement to me. Um, I'm stuck. Some of you may feel stuck in your personal lives, stuck with your, stuck with your weight. You don't like where that is stuck with something else. Some of you may feel stuck in your marriages. Um, Being stuck, for the most part, in human experience is an awful feeling. And it leads us to frustration. It leads us to uh, sometimes confusion, uh, often anger. All kinds of things happen. What I want to talk about today, though, is, is, is being stuck ever good? Is there a good stuck? All the things we've talked about are what I call bad stuck. All right? There's bad stuck, but are there situations where there's good stuck? All right? There's bad stop and go traffic, but is there ever a good stop and go pace of life that we think is bad, but yet maybe it's good? What we're going to talk about today, and, and uh, I think I talked about this a couple years ago in, in a certain setting here. But I'm going to change it a little bit because what we're talking today is about the, the, when God's people were leaving Egypt, the children of Israel, Moses and all that, and there was uh, the way in which God sent them, there was a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff about their journey. I put the map up there, Terry. This week we're going to talk about good stuff. Next week we're going to talk about bad stuff because some of you are stuck in life right now and it, maybe it's good and you think it's really bad. Some of you may be stuck in life right now and there's some stuff you need to deal with. You got, and that, that's next we're going to talk about bad stuck. What if you're stuck and there's something you've got to deal with? This we're going to talk about what if you're stuck and it feels bad, but God may be incredibly at work in your life in ways you don't know. All right? Here's what it was uh, you know, three, 4,000 years ago. Yellow dot on the left was Egypt. People were in slavery. 400 years in slavery. They were stuck in slavery, all right? They were stuck. God releases them from their stuckedness, and, they, and Moses is going to lead them to the yellow dot on the right, which is the promised land, Israel. And God said it was a land flowing with milk and honey of abundance. It was going to be the life they'd always wanted. And if you're like me, Part of your signing up to be a Christian, so to speak, is you thought the offer was abundant life, and you thought the offer was it's the life I've always wanted. And if you're like me as well, you're somewhere between where you were and where you thought you're supposed to be. And on your journey, some of us, maybe even now, feel some degree of stuck. All right? Now, so here's Egypt right here. All right? Boom. Here's where they wanted to go. Abundance, flowing of milk and honey, um, freedom, the life they've always wanted. All right? Egypt, promise. I used to teach geometry. I know the best way to get between two points is a straight line here to there. So what does God do? If you are from here and you want to go there, what does God do? He goes this way. All right? He goes this way. He goes this way. He goes this way, he goes this way, and he goes this way, all right? And along the way, actually, if I were to be more accurate, God goes this way, he stops, he sends you backwards, he stops, he sends you over here, he stops, 
he sends you over here, you sit down and you stop, and you're like, I thought I was supposed to be up there, and God keeps doing this, and God has no sense of geometry. God has some geometry problems, <laughs> and uh, he doesn't know how to do that. But we're going to look at in the story of the Exodus, there were times when they were stuck, and it was a really, really, really good stuck. So this morning, I want to talk to some of you, maybe many of you, who feel like you're stuck in your life with God, in your, mar- I don't know, in your marriage, personal life, but ultimately in your life with God. And maybe you're in a much better place than you think you are. Again, next we're going to talk about bad stuck. This week, it's good stuck. All right? Now, let me just, I'm going to read some passages. I'm not going to have them up on the screen this week. I just want the map up on the screen because I want you to think about... You know, they were going from point A to point B, and God took them on this weird route that had a lot of stopping points and what felt like sticking points, all right? So I'm going to give four examples of how, four examples of good stuck, all right? And maybe you can connect with those issues in your own life, all right? First one, Exodus chapter 13. People have just left Egypt. Uh, they leave. Obviously, Pharaoh is not happy, but all these plagues that God sends, Pharaoh finally says, okay, get out of here. Leave and they take, they leave, and they leave with quite a bit of plunder from the Egyptians. And we're, we, nobody knows the exact number of people in the Exodus of the Jewish people, but we're talking in the th- tens and thousands, and pr- most likely hundreds of thousands of people were leaving. All right, Exodus thirteen. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the main road through the Philistine country, which would have been a straight line even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God did not lead them on the straight line to the Philistine country, even though that was the shortest route. What's up with that? Don't you want to get there fast? Isn't God value speed and efficiency? I mean, if I'm driving from here to Indianapolis, I'm not going to go through Cincinnati to get there. Let alone, in God's case, he would take you through New York City. He'd probably take you to JFK, knowing God. All right. Here's what this says, though. God says, because so, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way to the wilderness. Roundabout way to the wilderness. But why? It's because God knew if he took them from here straight to here, they'd go through the Philistine country And he knew they would face warfare and and trial, and he knew they didn't yet have the capacity to handle that. So he sent them that way. You know, and it's interesting. um, I uh, there was a time when I was flying to Santa Barbara, no, Santa Barbara, Burbank, California, I think it was, and the plane. Uh, I was not feeling good. It was kind of one of these bumpy flights. And, um, and the plane was, I was feeling sick. And, and the plane, we're getting close to Burbank on the good. We're finally going to land. I don't feel that good. And the pilot says, um, we're going to have to circle the airport a few times because the weather below us is not very good and we can't land. So I'm like, oh, great, oh, great. I'm not feeling good anyway. You know. And if you've been in an airplane before, you can feel when the pilot has to go... And you know, start to turn. Okay, I thought I can last. I can last one circle. Okay, I can do that. Then the pilot comes on five minutes later. Ah, it looks like we'll have to circle again. 
because the weather below us still isn't cleared. Okay, I can do two circles. I can do that. I'm not feeling good. I feel kind of nauseous, headache. I can do that. And I'm thinking, okay, that last circle took about five minutes, so five minutes from now we'll be landing. Well, five minutes from then, pilot didn't say anything, but you could feel just like, okay, this is number three. It must have been four or five times. And the pilot came on, I don't know, time number six or whenever it was. Um, and I said, and he said, I didn't say anything. He said, okay, folks, looks like we're going to have to keep circling because the weather below is really bad. And inside, I shouted very loudly inside my head, will you just land the blankety-blank plane? <laughs> and you're, some of you are laughing, you know what I'm talking about. And at that moment, I had a clear sense that God was saying to me, Matt, if we landed the plane now, this plane might be destroyed because the weather's so bad. And that time in my life, there was something I really wanted from God. I wanted to get from here to here really fast. And I felt like God was saying, and you know that thing, Matt, that you want really badly to happen in your life? If you had that now, it's like dropping this plane through the storm to land. It would destroy you. You don't have the capacity to handle what you want right now. And it was God's way of saying, in my goodness to you, Matt, you feel stuck, but in my goodness to you, I need to take you a different route because I want you to be ready for that in the future, but you're not ready now. And it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, God, I I guess I'm in a place of good stuck. There are times when circling the airport is a good stuck because God knows something you don't know about what's coming around the corner, about what you desperately want, and because of his goodness to you and his, his dream and hope for you and his plan for you to be in the land of promise and abundance and life you've always wanted, he will make you stuck for a moment or make some weird roundabout st- sticky feeling kind of detour because he wants to get you there, all right? Example number two is Exodus chapter 14. So this is again, and let me, let me say this too real quick. Some of you might know that the, the, the Exodus took 40 years because they were penalized for disobedience at one point. All of, and the route should have taken a, a month or more, you know. All of these examples are before they were penalized the 40-year penalty, all right? These were not part of God's penalty for their sin, so that's why I'm talking this. These are all good stuff. These are, not, these are not part of the penalty that God walked off against them. All right? These are all part of God's plan from getting them from slavery to promise. All right? So I, part, number two, this is just days after they left Egypt. The Lord gave the instructions to Moses, order the Israelites and turn back to camp near a certain town he was talking, God was telling me. Well, they had just left Egypt. They were right here. They had a sense that Pharaoh was going to be start coming after them. The Pharaoh would change his mind. So they had taken a couple steps this direction, and then God says, oh, um, turn back and camp back here. Well, I'm one of Mo- if I'm one of Moses' friends, I'd be like, Moses, we don't want to go back. That's where Pharaoh is. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Why would we go back? And the passage continues, and, and God says this, Then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused, they are trapped in the wilderness, and he, Pharaoh, will chase after you. But I have planned this, God says, in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. Are, are there some things in your life where you feel like God wants you to kind of revisit something? 
And maybe go back. Maybe go back to a time in your life or a situation in life that was painful for you. And you're like, you know what? I'm not going back there. I've forgotten about it. You know, I'm moving on in life. But maybe what's back there is something God wants you to still deal with. Maybe he needs to bring some healing. And you're thinking, I'm not, you know, that's, that's Pharaoh's army and destruction. I'm not going back there. But maybe there's something God wants you to back up to because he wants to show some of his glory to you and some healing and some hope that you never thought you could have. So, yeah, feeling stuck is awful. What would it be like if you were, on, if, you were if, if Matt was stuck at the highway in Atlanta and then a policeman pulled him over and said, I'm sorry, son, um, I'm going to have to move your car back five miles and just start, you're like, what? Why do I have to go back? Oh, just because. All right? And maybe some of you feel like that's what's happening. Maybe you feel like you've stepped backwards. And you kind of think, I feel like I'm, you might think you're stepping backwards in your spiritual growth, but the reality is you may be exactly where God wants you, and it may be a forward movement that feels backward to you. All right? Item number, uh, situation number three. Again, this is all, it was a year or two before God penalize them with the longer 40-year penalty. So all these events took place in the first year or two when they left Egypt, when they were on their way to promise, all right? Exodus chapter 23. God's telling them about what's gonna, what they're going to encounter with other armies, other nations they're going to have to take over, and how they have to kind of prepare for battle, all right? He says, I will send my terror ahead of you. I will make all of your enemies turn and run. All right, at that point, I'm like, yeah, sign me up. God, just clear the way. You're the big bulldozer God. Just clear the way. Get rid of all my problems in life, financial problems, relational problems, all the enemies of my life. Clear the way so I can go straight to promise and abundance and new life. But, God says, much to our chagrin, I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. In other words, I'm not going to drive them out all at once because you can't handle that yet. And then he says, I will drive them out a little at a time. Say that with me. A little at a time. Little by little. Say that. Little by little. What's the, what about Bob? Baby steps. Baby steps. Remember that movie? All right. God says, I'm going to drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. So God says, okay, here's where you are. Here's where you want to go. I know there's enemies, in this case armies, but in our cases other enemies, other situations that are in the way. And, and we're thinking, okay, I signed up for this Christian thing. Can God just turn the bulldozer on high and boom, and I'm right here. And God says, no, I'm not going to because you're not ready. You don't have the capacity, like you told the children, you don't have the capacity to take care of the land. You don't have the capacity to take care of what you want right now. I want you to have the capacity, God says, but you don't have it yet. So I'm going to do little by little by little by stop and go traffic with a stick shift, little by little by little by little, and your arm and your clutch foot gets tired, or if you're driving a regular car, your kids are complaining in the back seat, when are we going to get out of this? And it's like little by little? I mean, I thought, God, doesn't God value speed? Does he have an issue with speed? No, he doesn't value speed. He doesn't have the same value of speedy movement that we have. It's like a uh, <coughs> Superman, the original Superman. 
Um, what did he, what did he, how did he change into his Superman status from Clark Kent? What did he have to do? Walk into a telephone booth. Now, for those of you under the age of 25, a telephone booth <laughs> is yay high. You know, I, I, when's the last time you saw a real telephone booth, frankly? Think about that. Telephone booths is something you would walk into to talk on the phone and close the door behind you, and there's all kinds of graffiti written over it, and sometimes there was money in the... All right, and he would walk in there, and boom, he'd pop out, and he was from Clark Kent, you know, to Superman. And I've said before to God, where's my phone booth? I mean, can't you just change me fast? I mean, God, you know the issues of my life. You know what I struggle with. You know, the, you know the enemies in front of me. You know the enemies inside of me. Why can't I just walk into a phone booth? And God, don't you have the power to... Dun, 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 dun. That was a song for Superman. How many remember that old TV show? Dun, 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 dun. All right. And, and he came out. Why, why can't that happen? Why doesn't God do that? Wouldn't our lives be better if he did? And again, God is not concerned about the speed of your transformation. He's concerned about the character of your transformation. Yeah, God could, God could remove all your problems just like that. But then we'd just be kind of robots in this big game that God's just kind of toying with. He values your own freedom and choice more than that. Yes, he has power to do that, and he'll be a part of that with you, but God is concerned about your capacity, not your speed. All right? Last one, Numbers chapter 9. And if you remember from the stories of the Exodus, when they were moving along the way, the way they knew where to go was that God put during the daytime this big cloud uh, in the sky that was they knew that was God. And at nighttime it turned into a, remember that, pillar of fire. All right? And that was their leading, that was their GPS. All right? God's positioning system, I suppose. I don't know. So that's how they, and so wherever the cloud moved, they followed it. If it stopped, they stopped, that kind of thing. And again, we're talking of lots of people, all right? Whenever, this is again, Numbers uh, chapter 9. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, so if it lifted over their little tabernacle tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. All right, cloud move, people move. Cloud move, people move, all right? Whenever the cloud settled, people of Israel would set up camp. Cloud stop, people stop. Whenever the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, people of Israel stayed in camp and didn't move on. Okay, let's be reasonable here. I can understand God stopping them for a day. They need a break, and they need to set up camp, they need to wash their clothes. Need to kind of retool, all right? I can understand a few days. I can even understand a month. Okay, we've been traveling a long time. Can we have? A, can we just set up our tents for a month and just kind of be? I can understand that. But it says that God sometime would hold. The t- they would stay still. They would stay stuck for a year. Now think about that. Every morning, Moses and the other leaders would go out. Um. Cloud's not moving. Staying here again today. And for the first couple of days, everybody's happy. Oh, good. We can just kind of, we can relax. After a month, six weeks, people are like, Moses, um, are we going to be moving anytime soon? Moses gets out with the other leaders and 
I don't know if they use instruments. No, it's not moving. Okay, Moses, what do we do today? I mean, we're kind of tired. It's been six weeks. It's been three months. I mean, we don't have television. There's no movie theaters here. What do we do? I mean, what did they do all day? I mean, think about that. What did they do all day? It was like this year-long camping trip. After a while, I mean, I can handle like a day of camping. All right? What did they do all day? I mean, they were stuck. But it was a really good stuff because that's exactly where God wanted them. And maybe there were things they were working out relationally. I mean, what they did all day was they loved God and kept his commandments. Maybe that's, what, maybe that's all God wants you to be doing right now and what you feel like is stuck. Because what we want is we want the cloud to move every day, every day, quick, fast, quick, fast, quick, fast. But a year, or I mean a, a day, two days, a month, or a year... And in my Bible, or a year is highlighted in yellow. And I remember when I first, when I read that and realized what was happening, I said out loud, that's not fair, God. It's not fair. I mean, here you, you rescued them, and now you're sticking them somewhere. What is up with that? Because we don't like the, I mean, that's like traffic jam to the max. Like I said, I, I don't mind camping a day or two with my wife and kids, but a month might, might push my relationship a little bit. All right? I don't mind camping next to the Hendricks for a day or two, but a couple weeks or a month, I might be like, I don't like these people anymore. <laughs> I mean, they make funny noises at night, dance. I don't know if he, I don't, maybe he doesn't snore, I don't know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and can you imagine all the relational tensions that would have come about during that time of sitting still? but maybe that's what needed to come out because God wanted them to learn to love one another, function in that kind of community that would be functioning out of love and not out of judgment or irritation or a value of speed. How much does our value of speed and efficiency actually make us people of judgmentalism and irritation with others? I think I have over here. Do I have it over here? I, didn't even, I wasn't even planning to use it today. This is one of my street signs I had made. And you'll never see this on the road in Bloomington. Maybe I should put it up sometime and see what anybody does. Wouldn't that be funny? If I put it right, you know, people drive by and be like, what? What? I don't, what? what does that mean? It, it's the words hurry if you can't read it. No hurry. You know, and, and uh, a friend of mine once was stuck. He was stuck in his spiritual life. He was stuck. All right? He called his mentor and he said, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in my spiritual life. Can you give me some pointers to get out of my stuck place? And his mentor said to him, okay, um, well, the first thing is be ruthless about the elimination of hurry from your life. Be ruthless about the elimination of hurry for life. So this friend of mine writes down, okay, be ruthless, number one, be ruthless about the elimination of hurry from my life. Okay, good. Okay, what's next? And his mentor on the phone said, there is nothing else. That's it. Because think about it. When you're in a hurry, how do you treat people? Really well? All right. When you're in a hurry, how do you treat your wife, husband, and kids? When you're in a hurry, how do you treat the anonymous driver in front of you? When you're in a hurry, how do you treat the takeout window person at Burger King? When you're in a hurry, how do you treat your friend who maybe isn't in a hurry to have to do what you want to do next? How do you treat your boyfriend or girlfriend who maybe isn't quite in the hurry you're in? How do you treat people when you're in a hurry? 
When you're in a hurry, um, how much do you hear from God? I mean, if I'm in a hurry and I'm just in a, you know, God better, you know, I, God better speak really quickly and efficiently if he wants to hear me because I'm in a hurry. All right? If I'm in a hurry, I probably don't hear God much because there's no space. And perhaps that time of stuck for them was God teaching them how to live a rest-filled, hurry-free, but full kind of life. All right? So whether God is taking you on a roundabout way, whether you feel like God has sent you back, whether God is doing a little-by-little removal of the problems of your life, or whether God has just planted you in a place and you're stuck there, you may be in a really, really, really good place. doesn't feel that way. Going backwards doesn't feel good. Going roundabout doesn't feel good. Going by little by little doesn't feel good. And being stuck doesn't feel good. But you may be in a really, really good place. And the bottom line question is this. Are you willing to trust Jesus when he leads you, no matter how he leads you? Go to the next slide there, Terry. Are you willing to trust Jesus no matter how he leads you? Or do you have your own internal GPS that you demand God adapt as his GPS? Right? He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. All right? If Jesus is leading you somewhere right now that feels very counterintuitive to you, will you trust him no matter how he's leading you? Now, next week, we're going to talk about the bad stuff in life. We're going to talk about the 40-year the penalty the children of Israel got because of some you know, bad stuck issues in their lives. Because there may be, some of you may be stuck because there's stuff you are choosing not to deal with that are bad choices you've made that have stuck you in a place spiritually. All right, but this week I want to talk about just right. Let's rest. On, let's let's settle on just the good stuck moments, because some of you may just be stuck in a really really good way, and maybe you just need to kind of allow your heart to kind of relax and trust, and trust that God will unpack the movement when and how He needs to, and you're willing to trust Him in in how He does that. All right, let's pray. God, I pray. Um, I guess ultimately I pray that I and all of us trust you. That when you speak, we trust you. When you slow us down, when you take us roundabout, when you reject our demands uh, for speed and efficiency, um, would we accept your rebuke and then trust you because you're for us. We know you're for our abundance. You're for us being in a life of freedom and promise. You are for us being a, in a, a place of abundance. You are for us being in a place of joy. And um, would, would you help us die to our demands uh, for speed and directness and efficiency? Would, we, uh, would you help us destroy those idols in our lives? And would we be the kind of people that you want us to be who fully live and move toward a life of promise, joy, freedom, and abundance? And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.